You're listening to Rotten Gems. The show where three dudes talk about movies we love. That critics thought should be left in the jungle. Where they should wait and never roll a five or eight. Let's get rotten. it's on purpose or like you just can't get the sound of these beating drums out of your head but nobody else seems to hear them so you turn this on to try and drown it out well we thank you and who exactly is we well let me introduce you to my co-hosts i'm keenan and i'm marcus and i am brett i just have to say one thing guys thank god no more banana leaves that's right. Today, we are talking about Jumanji, starring Robin Williams, Jonathan Hyde, and Kirsten Dunst. No, not the Kevin Hart movie, which I, I haven't seen. Uh, you guys have seen that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> Again, we're not trashing that movie. We're just not reviewing that one either. <laughs> um, we are talking about the 1995 film Jumanji. Um, for those of you at home, if you haven't seen the movie, again, how? It's a classic. Just know that if you want to keep listening, um, you will be spoiled on Jumanji, but it did come out in 1995, so here is your spoiler warning for a 25-year-old movie. Now, Keenan, Marcus, you guys have seen this movie, right? What, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, Brett, uh, we saw this in the theaters with you. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> You've always seen the movies in theaters with us. Always. So we saw this in theaters in what, 1995? Yes. yes. So I was three <laughs> years old then? No, Brett. That, that would explain why I don't remember. So it's very plausible. You've always been the caretaker here. <laughs> Whoa, that's a different movie, all right? <laughs> all right. Uh, here's a quick synopsis of Jumanji. When young Alan Parrish discovers a mysterious board game, he doesn't realize its unimaginable powers until he is magically transported before his friend Sarah's startled eyes into the untamed jungles of Jumanji. He remains there for 26 years when two unsuspecting children free him from the game's spell. Now a grown man, Alan reunites with Sarah, and they and the children try to outwit the game's powerful forces. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty all-encompassing uh, definition there. Um, I, I thought you were beating on the table again, <laughs> trying to do. <laughs> I like I, I I don't know about you guys, but after this movie, I just heard drums for a while. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> but also, can we talk about that? Like, can only children hear that? Uh, that's yeah, that's what I kind of figured. I don't know. I think that was. It's just mainly focused on who it wants to play the game, who it's targeting. There's there's weird rules about Jumanji that I, we'll probably talk about. So Yeah, so so obviously the uh young Alan Parrish heard it at this dig site or or whatever. Like, first of all, in in the beginning when they're doing the construction at the uh at the shoe factory with it what is a grave for some reason, he's the only one there that hears it. So I, I, there was a lot of people around, a lot of kids. I don't know. A lot of people leaving work for no apparent reason to let this child <laughs> walk through. In the, in the middle of the day, yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get too far into that, guys, we got to talk about why we're here talking about this movie. 
and uh, we wanted to talk about scoring. So Jumanji, although a classic, rated a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 62% audience score and a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. That's seven days a week of being neglected by your father. Seven minutes of nonstop firing before Van Pelt finally ran out of ammo, or a seven-inch rib in the back of your jeans to make room for your new tail out of ten. So, yeah. So we've already established weird rules. Um, we don't know anything about the two kids in the very, very beginning of the movie. Um, <laughs> we know they do a pretty bad job of hiding a a dig site. <laughs> What do you mean that loose pile of dirt wasn't concealing enough? I was like, oh, they just like walked away. It just looks like an obvious. This hole is already half dug for us. Let's just put it here. No one will ever find this. Uh, it, you can't tell based on the mound of dirt. Uh, but also, hey, like hey right on, away. Hey to be fair. Those those two boys did a lot better than Alan and Sarah at the end, who just put bricks on it and threw it in a, yeah. in, the, a river. in the most shallow river. You could you could literally jump from one end to the other end. But also, like that that game could have gotten lodged in the river anywhere at any point, and anyone could have found it. But it ends up in France on the beach. Um, no, but those those two kids in the very opening scene like they're obviously scared and and burying the game or trying to get rid of it which which led me to believe like did they did they win did they finish it they had to have right that that would be my guess is right they finished it otherwise <laughs> well and that it's a good question because uh when i was watching i was like man those bats are they immortal because i'm pretty sure a bat <laughs> does not live for 26 years in an attic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in an attic with no problems. I don't know. We could probably call it a pest control company. They seem to know everything about bats and the <laughs> oh, history no. of bats in this location. <laughs> uh, there haven't been bats like this in 26 years. Exactly. Yeah. But also, the pest control guy is so trustworthy that you will leave your niece and nephew with him alone <laughs> in the attic while you're doing God knows what downstairs. <laughs> I had a problem with that. <laughs> She was a new parent, you know. She, I guess <laughs> she didn't have a lot of practice. I guess they they weren't uh, as attentive to their children back then, um, as we will learn. But also, one last thing about those two kids from the from the beginning, they're so startled, obviously, when when putting the the game back, and one of them's like jumps, and the guy goes, "Don't worry, it's just a pack of wolves." <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Don't worry. <laughs> that is the perfect reason to worry. <laughs> it's like those are just as bad as anything they probably dealt with <laughs> in that game. Like, like, what did they have had? What, what could they have encountered that a pack of wolves? No, oh, that's pretty tame. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. Anything that came out of the game would be leagues ahead in comparison to wolves. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, like I said, I haven't seen the newer ones, which I just found out, like, when researching this, that they're not spinoffs or remakes. They're actually, like, a sequel to the to the original Jumanji. You, you can't stop the Jumanji. The Jumanji live on. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess we there's... I'm assuming there's a lot more 
examples of what else comes from the game. And also, this was based off a book. So I'm sure that there was a lot more uh, things in the book that happened, uh, examples of what can come from the game. Um, I don't think so. I, 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 I know I've read the book when I was younger. It was a picture book. It wasn't like a... It wasn't oh, like was a it? like a novel or anything, uh, so it was pretty short. I think a lot of the things were pretty similar. Um, it's interesting because Chris Van Allsburg, who who wrote the book, you know, at th- this time of my viewing, I'm like Jumanji. That's gotta mean something. Um, so Chris Van Allsburg said the word Jumanji is Zulu for many effects, alluding to the exciting consequences of the game. Um, and it's funny because. You, you know, we talk about like the original and their sequels and whatnot. And I saw that there was a Jumanji TV show, and I swear that I watched it, but it has it was gone from my memory. And like seeing a screenshot of the characters, it's just like it brought it back in a way like a fever dream. Like I can't remember watching it. All of a sudden, seeing a picture, I'm like, oh my god, I watched this whole thing. Yeah, based off of memory, I, I remember it, and I feel like the art style was kind of similar to like the Wild Thornberries. That is exactly what my thought was. I was like, oh, I think this looks very Wild Thornberries. I think I think I watched it too. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I think probably any memories I have of it is probably just <laughs> confused with the Wild Thornberries. Yeah. You guys are you guys are a little older than me. So the the movie came out in '95. The show is '96. So I was four. So I guess that would explain why I didn't remember it how old were you guys in 96 24 <laughs> 24 yeah no you should remember it yeah. seven but i don't like <laughs> I, I don't remember much of it like i when you started talking about it i was like i news to me but then yeah. when keenan uh mentioned the wild thornberries thing i was like yeah hey, I, I i have a very faint memory of it now to be honest i could be just thinking of the wild thornberries <laughs> And I could be too. So, and this is now a Wild Thornberries podcast. <laughs> Do you know Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers? Was in it? He was the voice um, for no. His the... his name his name was Donnie. I know he kind of looked like him, but <laughs> Donnie was a human kid. So anyway, back to our our lovely movie here. Um, so yeah, then we cut to a young Alan Parrish, um, which by the way, like. As far as stereotypes go, he doesn't really fit, I thought, your typical rich kid, you know? Like, his dad owns the shoe factory, and... Sounds they like they own, sh- like, most of the town, or, like, yeah. at least high regard in most of that town. Exactly, and they, like, they are live in this giant house, right? So they're very clearly well-off, yet... Alan's like this loner and like he spends most of his time alone. It seems it just doesn't seem to match what I would anticipate a rich kid to be, but well, he didn't want to be rich. He, he kind of pushes against it. That's kind of his whole story of he doesn't want his father's life. So he kind of rejects it. Wait a minute. You mean that he didn't really enjoy spending time with his father? I guess it, if you had to really look at it, he might manifest his father to be his greatest <laughs> enemy. Which, by the way, I didn't I didn't even realize until I was an adult that his father and Van Pelt were the same actor. Did you guys know that? Well, I mean, that was pretty young. <laughs> <laughs> I think all kids have some kind of uh, face blindness. 
That's true. Again, we, we I mean, we talked about this on previous episodes about like not realizing who the actor is or <laughs> it, yeah, it's like the um, heavyweights with Ben Stiller playing uh, his, his dad. dad. <laughs> yeah, we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Just any 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 movie where someone plays two people, we're completely blind to the second one. But uh, so speaking of his father, I mean, obviously, um, a dick. A dick, uh, not great, neglectful. Um, so just, just, just so you guys know, um, the bar has been set. You guys are both fathers. I would not like to see you turn into him. Um, <laughs> then don't watch me parent. <laughs> How dare you talk to me that way? You're going to that boarding school. <laughs> but I don't want to, Dad. And that's the last I want to hear about it. <laughs> uh, so, but no, can we talk about the scene where Alan is being chased by the bullies on his bike and makes it to his dad's factory. So, so first off right away, he makes it outside and the kids are like, we'll wait. Like he could have stayed in there all night. Like you guys have nothing better to do. Well, I guess it was 1969. And no answer- adults around would like plan to do anything like, Oh, they're going to kick the shit out of Alan again. Yeah, it was 1969. There were no rules. They went to the moon in 1969. That's when they made a landing that was lunar. <laughs> Don't try to even Stevens this podcast. We're I was like, there. I was like, please, 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 someone get the reference. That was a very obscure reference. <laughs> uh, but no, then his dad's just like, yeah, you go out there and face him. You know, you got this. You and know, then seven on one. You're fine. <laughs> and then he does, and then later, like, well, Alan's actually looking out looking out the window and sees all of them like beating up his bike which later is in perfect condition so those are probably really weak kids or something hang on uh hang on because now that's bringing up something didn't they steal his bike they did the um sarah Sarah brings it back that's right yeah yeah (laughs) let's beat the shit out of his bike so we could steal it But, like, Alan looks out the window and sees them all beating the shit out of his bike, who, I mean, that bike took it like a champ. He really faced, their, really faced his fears. <laughs> didn't even break a tear. Yeah. And then, like, Alan's dad later is like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize, like, they were all there. Like, if I would have known, I wouldn't have told you to do that. Hey, Dad, look out the fucking window. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a high window. He had to get up on something. <laughs> but also, like, back to that factory scene. So the shoe made its way in, into the grinder thing or whatever that was. I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm gonna hear that all night now. I'm gonna wake up at three AM and hear those drums and I'm gonna I'm gonna call you specifically. So we can play a game of Jumanji. Did did you guys ever play the game? I, I think the key to playing the game is just roll the dice super fast. <laughs> just keep playing. Right. The thing I did not get is why they would roll. I get that they read it. Okay, you want to read because you need to know what's coming. But then roll. Yeah, like like uh, the one that stood out to me the most was the monsoons. Yeah, like, ah. it's like try to go outside. Yeah, she's like ah, at least we're out. At least we're inside. As if like rain inside is the the least believable thing that you would have seen that day. And are they required to play in that house because? They go get the board game later on, like the supermarket, and then they travel back to the house before they even take another roll. Well, the only time they don't use it or play it in the house is when Peter tries to cheat. 
So it's like, just don't cheat, but play it outside. Yeah, like you would think, okay, like we know that things are going to happen. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to play it outside where things can't get destroyed more? <laughs> ah, yes. Let's go into this attic. We're on like probably the third story of this building. This will be safe, right? Back to the factory, though. Why is the shoe being put in the grinder or whatever it was caused to to fire Carl? The only other thing I can think of is like Alan's dad. Did he ever have a name? He's just Alan's dad, right? Um, Percival. <laughs> yeah, so Alan's dad. Uh, <laughs> so Alan's dad just like straight up fired him for for the shoe being in the grinder, which he pulled out and all seemed to be well, even though he didn't do it. it was well, Alan's he dad, right? he said he did it. True, but like I would have been like, oh hey, don't let it happen again. Like, hey, we pulled the shoe out all as well. You're fired. Was he trying to find a way to fire his one black employee? Coincidentally, the one black guy in the whole movie. I don't think that's what it was. I think that's just a delicate machine, and <laughs> and in the sixties, it's like you're, you know, that's a high dollar. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just think it's funny. Like the one black guy they had in the movie, like Alan, when he comes out later on, he sees him within like five minutes. <laughs> uh, he's a cop now. Okay, cool. Well, what I did want to say about David Allen Greer is, I'm pretty sure he basically invented the modern day shoe that shoe was like leagues ahead of anything that else they made uh do you want to make fun of <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was trying to hold back so much once you started laughing i could <laughs> i was like okay we're gonna talk about the shoe that's a perfect time to jump ahead a little bit then with, with, with what you said um so so he leagues ahead with the shoe got it <laughs> but at the very end so you know when um you know robin will it's back to robin williams and bonnie hunt that it's alan and sarah aged again to be, being their adult selves and when they first meet judy and peter in this time who we're not sure remember them or not. We're assuming don't remember no, them. No, they don't remember them. So he, they give them presents, right? At this Christmas party. Well, they're in the DVD version or the Blu-ray version, there's a deleted scene. And in the deleted scene, he actually, or they actually open the the presents and it's it's two pairs of shoes, uh, like state-of-the-art shoes, and they're called Jumanji's. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know why they cut that. Well, that would have been cool. Yeah, right? Leagues okay. ahead. <laughs> All right, where were we? <laughs> All right, so now we're done with the factory. So yeah, so moving on to the factory. Um, so then, you know, Alan gets sucked into the game. Um, which, by the way, for for a twenty five year old movie, I didn't mind the special effects all that much. Like they, I really? expected it to. Well, <laughs> it depends because, like, all the animals were terrible, uh, except for maybe the the. Tiger, no. The lion. The lion. When uh, that came out, I, I was thinking like, this is animatronic from like 
Universal Studios. <laughs> from like, yeah, so, the Jungle Cruise ride on in Disneyland. It's funny you say that. I want you to hold on to that thought for something I'm going to say later about the animals looking terrible. So just table that for a minute, for a little bit. But when Alan's getting sucked into the game, like it looked kind of cheesy, of course, but not as bad as I thought it would have looked for a 25-year-old movie. And I feel like they really put a lot of special effects into this movie. But what I want to talk about is the next scene where it shows Nora and Judy and Peter moving into this house 26 years later. I, I want to ask you guys a serious question. Why is it that anytime somebody moves into an old abandoned house, all of the furniture is always still there and it's always covered in white sheets? Estate sales. Uh, this is actually something I, I've done a lot of research on uh, being in the real estate business. Uh, when a house is abandoned or foreclosed on, uh, the first step is to contact your local uh, white linens factory to kind of get a, a ballpark estimate on how much you'll need. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then you cover everything in the house. And then you go to a uh, spirit Halloween shop and you get a bunch of like fake spider webs. <laughs> you just cover the whole house with it. Yeah. Like a week ago, that house looked beautiful. For, oh, for sure. <laughs> that's why. That's why she was able to clean it so fast. <laughs> yeah, but like, there's leaves and stuff, and she's—I don't know how did leaves get in there. But no, think about it. Like, like uh, Casper, for instance. We just talked about Casper. Same thing. Doctor Harvey and Cat move into this house. It's all covered. It's all furnished. Whatever. I just watched, uh, I don't know if it's your guys' cup of tea, but I just watched uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. I, I loved it. I know a lot of people didn't. But again, another house where people move in and it's just covered in white sheets. This is a, a pretty overused movie trope, I think. No, it's standard practice. Standard practice. I don't even, <laughs> I, I feel like I've not seen a white sheet in my life if if not for being covered well, that's because you have those problem. bladder problems. <laughs> they're all yellow now. The sheets, they're all yellow. That's why I haven't seen them. That's what that uh, Coldplay song is about. Uh, but so then we then we first meet Judy and Peter, right? And I, I had a problem with the way they were introduced. Like Judy comes off as like this prankster. She's like pranking the real estate lady like, about how her parents died and i'm like okay so she's like the funny one but like she never does anything like that after this well one no, interaction. She, i don't think she's a prankster i think she's pathological liar because that's like her coping because she does lie to alan about how the parents died and then i think she lies about something else too Wait a minute. You mean you mean to tell me that a 12-year-old girl who lost both of her parents in a tragic accident would need to find some way to cope? Otherwise, they're going to send her to a shrink. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It checks out. I, I was listening for it, and I don't know if it was fully explained how Nora came into possession of the house other than like one throwaway line from Kirsten Dunst, who is like, no wonder you got this house so cheap. Someone was murdered 26 years ago. Was there any, maybe I missed it. Was there any explanation of how they got the house other than like, ah, it was cheap. She bought it. I think no, it was think so. just a 
the Parrish family lived in it. They didn't move or die from what I remember. So, well, well they died, but I think it was right. fairly recent. The house kind of started falling apart because they spent so much time looking for their son. Yeah, I think they died in, what, 91? I think that's what the the gravestone said or something yeah, like that. Yeah, just a few years before. Also, how fucked up was that? That homeless dude? Oh, yeah, they're still around. They're over here. Just tell them they're dead. I really hope <laughs> that they just didn't show him say, yeah, they're gravestones. <laughs> and he prepared Alan before. <laughs> but but also that guy when he's talking about how Alan's dad like dropped everything and searched for him after he was disappeared. But also okay, so both both things we're talking about here. So it's it's common accepted commonly accepted by everyone that Alan's was murdered in the house and like chopped up and is in the floors or something. So I I was wondering like I was like um, do you have to disclose if if someone dies in your house? Well, I mean, here we go again. Uh, coming from the realty world, uh, yes, you do. <laughs> you, I mean, if if that was you know found guilty of it, I would assume they would make him do that. But there well, was no evidence of it. So, well, I looked it up actually, and it, it depends on state jurisdiction. So. I found this from an investopedia. It says there are no states in which there is an obligation to disclose the death of a person who is deceased under natural conditions. However, some states impose a duty on a stigmatized home or apartment in which there has been a suicide or a murder. But there's also limitations on the year. So some states is like if uh, someone was murdered within 10 years, you have to disclose it. But 26 years? I feel like whatever happened 26 years ago, it's okay to move on from then. I don't know. Well, that's actually the darker part of the movie that we don't talk about. Uh, You'll notice that uh, his dad, Alan's dad, and mom died pretty close together. Uh, It was actually a (laughs) murder-suicide. They were they were dead like many months apart. So was it just a really bad suicide? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, just my question. Maybe she was but in critical condition. She just died of a broken heart for being alone so long, which <laughs> I've heard happen. Um, but no, cu- cutting back to the homeless guy living in the in the office of the factory, he's like talking about how Alan's dad dropped everything. He's like, I don't think anybody loved his boy more than Sam did. I'm like, really? Cause if you watch the first, you know, 20 minutes of this movie, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. Well, like, again, to be fair, like just because he, uh, you know, was kind of, he, he told him to be brave, face his fears. He really did not know that there were six of them out there, you know, he should have known, but he didn't. And then, I mean, afterwards, he seemed like he got along with his dad. It's it's not like his dad didn't change. So I think he that was just the, the day he was in, too, because he had a, an important gala he had to be at. Uh, yeah. So that was probably putting a lot of stress on him. And 
I think getting an unfair <laughs> image of his dad for you know Alan's whole life for that one bad day. See, uh, but I don't know because I, I always got the impression that Alan was a loner and he couldn't even talk to the person he looked up to a lot, which was his dad. I just felt like his dad had this personality of always being so busy and he couldn't spend any time. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up with very loving parents, except for, you know, the abusive stepdad for a little bit, but we're past that now. I'm an adult, but hey, my my, hey, my real uh, dad has been nothing but loving. Do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? How does that make you feel? <laughs> uh... There's a reason I'm drinking whiskey right now, guys. Okay. <laughs> no, go uh, on. no, we're good. <laughs> hey. I also have my therapist license. <laughs> save it for our therapy podcast, all right? I would say that his dad, while he wasn't a warm and fuzzy kind of guy, I, 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 don't, I didn't see any signs of him not loving or caring about his kid. I think he was just... Kind of, you know, probably raising his kid the way his dad raised him. Uh, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And he just wanted to create another him without taking a second to realize like, hey, he didn't want that. Which caused Alan to blow up at him and be like, hey, I don't No, dad. This is your dream, not mine. You know that other movie trope? Breakfast Club? Varsity <laughs> <laughs> Blues? No, dad. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, again, you two are fathers, and you, you seem to be in agreement. I'm not a father, and I don't plan to be one. So we're right. I get it. Got it. <laughs> I get it. You have a different perspective on this, and I respect that. But um, I also uh, just wait it, so. until we uh, <laughs> do the Goofy movie. <laughs> goofy movie podcasts. Well, gosh, I can't wait for that one. All right, so should we fast forward a little bit? So, <laughs> uh, this is either the worst thing or the best thing, and I can't decide which. <laughs> uh, so let's fast forward a bit. So they get uh, <laughs> they get Robin Williams, Allen out of the game, which which can I just pause and take a second to say how great it is to see a Robin Williams movie again. He really did like like instantly make the movie so much better. Oh, absolutely. And I, I read like there was a bunch of different people that were considered for the role and I can't imagine anybody else but Robin Williams in it now. No, he's the perfect cast because he's playing a kid essentially who's been totally. trapped in the jungle, so when I think of Robin Williams, I think of an adult with the heart of a child. <laughs> when oh, did absolutely. Jack come out? Did that come out? I know that's got to be around the same time. 96. So he, right afterwards. Yeah, like the very next year. Uh, but also like um, Judy, played by Kristen Dunst, which is probably the youngest role I've ever remember her in. Next was probably what? Small Soldiers? The interview with the Vampire. She was younger. Yeah. Isn't she... that one of your top favorite movies? <laughs> No, I don't, I don't like Interview with a Vampire because of reasons. Tom Cruise. Reasons. Yeah, Interview with a Vampire came out the year before, but I'm sure she was even younger because I'm sure that one probably took a while well, to film. 
that is how math works. The year before would make her younger. Well, I mean, like, even younger than a year. <laughs> That's true. Um, but it almost actually went to Scarlett Johansson. I don't know. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I thought that was interesting. Um, okay. So Alan's out of the game now. Um, we're, we're, we're in the... That was pretty the, deep, dude. Alan's the, out of the game now. <laughs> he's out of the game for good. Uh, so then he he runs outside and he re-meets Carl, who no longer is the soul man, and now he's the officer. Man. Yeah, um, can, man. I just want I just really quick want to give a quick shout out to Carl. Carl witnessed like a crazy senile guy who didn't know who he was. A turtle uh, shell on his head. Yeah, uh, monkey stole his car. He met giant mosquitoes that were m- making people unconscious or whatever. Van Pelt shot up his car, uh, and not <laughs> the, once, not once, did he ever ask for backup. The plant ate his <laughs> the car. only cop. Like real MVP, Carl. This and is then, a like, small town, one cop town. Well, at one point, dispatch is like saying, "Like Carl, where are you? Like we're trying to reach you." And he's like, "Yeah, give that to whatever." He lists two other cops' names. So I thought that too, but there are at least two other cops. But not once does he ever like, "Hey, I need to tell you guys about what's going on." He he's got it, you know, like man on a mission. It's a small town, but it doesn't seem to be anything Carl can't handle. Is there anything Carl can't handle? I don't. Well, I mean. Shoes in a grinder. I think that's <laughs> that's about it. I think I think Carl handled that handled that like a man. Took ownership, even though it wasn't his fault. He he's a good dude for sure, all around. I kind of wish they would have like touched on like his life now with the ending at the Christmas party to be like, oh yeah, oh, yeah Carl was out there in Hawaii or something like. Well, no, he was at the party. Was he? Yeah, you see him real quick. Uh, he's at the the Christmas party because <laughs> I remember thinking I was like, "Man, Carl, he ages really well." <laughs> yeah, he has the same look as he does when he's the cop. But yeah, I would have liked to see more of his life because, right? You know, so when they beat the game and it's back to Alan and Sarah as kids, Alan comes clean to his dad and he's like, "Hey, it was me, me in the shoe factory." So. Would Carl have ever become a cop? I think it's assumed that he would have continued working at the factory and made the shoes, right? Oh yeah, I I definitely just assume that, especially if he's at that party. I would. My assumption is he's probably pretty high up in that company, especially since it sounds like Alan is in charge of the company. Yeah, I think the assumption is he is the inventor of like cross trainers. Yeah, um, and. Also, I, I kind of liked the, uh, at the very end when Alan and uh, Sarah are hiring Judy and Peter's parents. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a trip," and like, "No!" <laughs> Can you? So I was thinking about that. <laughs> and what if it's like a, a final destination situation? It just so cuts like, to final destination. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they stop them from going on that trip. And then let's say, okay, so they're busy moving up to New Hampshire. And then they get in a car accident on their way up to New Hampshire because they're starting their job a week early. And then they die. And their kids now grow up 
blaming Sarah and Alan <laughs> for forcing their parents to go to work when they were supposed to be on vacation. Oh, totally, for sure. But also when when they're like, yeah, we're thinking of taking a vacation and they're they're both like, no, we want you to start working immediately. And they're like, yeah, okay, we can do that. Like if it was me, I wouldn't want to work. For, I wouldn't want to work at this company. Like, I'm not, I'm not even working for you yet. You're already yelling yeah. at me. <laughs> you're like you're already micromanaging my schedule. I don't know, but I want to talk about this too because when they beat the game, it's back to Alan and Sarah as kids. So all of this negative shit happens to to them throughout the whole movie is the prize for beating jumanji that you get to maintain your future knowledge is that it <laughs> well if that's it i mean it only worked out for uh alan and sarah the other two didn't get their future knowledge right that's what i'm saying is like all this bad shit happens right so whatever mythical forces can conjure a stampede or a giant spiders or a Jonathan Hyde looking huntsman out of thin air could have given a decent reward for beating the game, which I feel like should have been awarded unless the future knowledge itself was the reward. Maybe the real friendship, maybe the, I fucked it up. (laughs) Maybe the real treasure was the friends they made along the way. God damn it. But I I just feel like if you're going to be put through all that, you should have gotten more for beating the game. Otherwise, why would anybody play it? Well, I mean, I don't know. They didn't really get a... Um, they didn't give a heads up on what was actually going to happen when they played the game. So it was kind That's of true. just like... That's true. And, <laughs> well, and I do, ask the, I do ask the question. I do ask the question, why would anybody play it? I'll, Knowing that the year after this movie came out, they made a Jumanji board game, and you can bet your ass I bought that game. <laughs> All right, so back on track here. Um, we got them coming towards the end of beating the game, and it's when uh, Robin Williams he gets stuck in the floor with the quicksand floor thing i don't know and then the spiders which okay that was the quickest they've ever rolled in succession <laughs> those spiders looked ridiculous i just oh, wanted to get, say absolutely that. <laughs> like i remember when i was a kid i was terrified of that scene but now i'm like okay like at least they're giant and you know they're not like hiding and can crawl up you i don't know i for some reason i would prefer a giant spider over a small one what about you guys <laughs> <laughs> i prefer no spiders I didn't think of that option. Um, but then when Robin Williams is like, hey, Peter, get the axe. <laughs> I actually laughed out loud when Peter goes to get the axe. And he like he's outside the shed and he picks up the axe to, to, cut, the, to, to cut the lock. And then he actually just paused and straight up like the office I, looks through the camera. <laughs> I was going to say, that was one thing I, I – like I thought it was funny. But I thought it was also kind of like – weird that he looked at the camera because it's like nowhere else in this movie yeah do they acknowledge the camera you just broke the fourth wall out of nowhere i don't know about you but i actually do that too like if i do something stupid (laughs) i look off into the distance (laughs) for no reason just just in case like this could be a truman show situation for all i know so i want to make sure it's getting caught on cat camera 
and uh, I'm really hitting my cues. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> like, there's probably not a camera in your house, but if there was, <laughs> you, you're nailing it, dude. Uh, I, I, I don't know <laughs> if I want those cameras. They're going to be catching some weird, weird shit. Um, you were talking about the uh, the quicksand floor. Hold on, hold on. Are we not going to elaborate on the weird shit he's talking about? What? What? Hey, Everybody's got to deal with their own weird shit. <laughs> Let Keenan deal with his weird shit in his own privacy. All right. Or during a podcast when I'm on mute. <laughs> Secretly put in his house. Anyway, back to the quicksand. What are you saying, Marcus? <laughs> so the quicksand, I mean, obviously... The way that uh, Alan and Sarah were talking to each other made it sound like he was going to fall back into the game, like with what they were saying. But then later on, you see his legs. <laughs> it's like, would it have been, it probably would have been better off for them if they would have just let him <laughs> fall to the next floor down. He probably yeah, he would have been okay. Then he would have just walked up there and be like, okay, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> That's bare minimum sprained ankle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. But but like we like we talked about how they don't roll very quickly. They like straight up will wait for the consequences, right? So they rolled the quicksand, and then Judy rolled right after that, which was the spiders, and that stopped the quicksand. Like, imagine how much time this movie could have saved. No, hers wasn't the spider. Hers was like a reverse. Gotcha. Uh, wh- whoever rolled when when he finally gets stuck in the floor and he's like, ah, yes, that was very quick thinking to roll again. Yeah, that was it was Judy, but like I, that was one thing I wanted to talk about too. I was like kind of confused because yeah, it, it it made it sound like it was a reverse. So if that was the case, shouldn't Alan have <laughs> rolled again? I don't think it was reverse in terms. I think it was just undo the last roll. Oh, right. okay. She, I see. she went back a few spaces or, or something. I don't know. And then Sarah rolled and got the spiders, I believe. Oh, no. Peter got the spiders. I wrote down what everybody got. <laughs> Did you really? Yes. There were so, so many different consequences that I forgot through this movie. I was just like, oh, yeah. Are they at the end yet? They've been through <laughs> too much shit already. The mosquitoes, I forgot. I couldn't remember how it ended. I was like, who who rolls the winning roll? Uh, so what do you guys think was the worst of the consequences that we saw throughout the whole movie? Being pulled and into the game for 26 years? I was just going to say, <laughs> let's let's not do that one because obviously, but... And, and that one wouldn't have been so bad if Sarah didn't leave. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But I understand. Yeah, like no, you're freaked when, out, you're gonna leave. When Alan's being sucked into the game, he yells, "Roll the dice!" If she <laughs> would have, <laughs> if she would have rolled the dice, would she just have to continue going? That's what I was wondering too. I would think so, right? Yeah, probably. I would imagine you just, or does he have like a, a mirror board inside of Jumanji that he rolls as well, and they just play through Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rules in this game we didn't know. But one thing I actually want to give the movie kudos on is I feel like Sarah reacted the way that people actually would because 
So she she freaked out, right? She was chased out of the house by the bats. And then, like, later we find out that, like, she tried to tell people. Nobody believed her because why would they? And then she spent over 2,000 hours into th- yeah, in therapy. Years of therapy. Yeah, where they convinced her, like, hey, this wasn't real. And I'm like, shit, that probably would have actually happened. Like, Especially in the 70s. Oh, for sure. And that, But uh, that reminds me of, like, when she's complaining about being alone for 26 years. And I do give her credit. Like, that would be tough, you know? But that does not compare <laughs> to being sucked into the jungle for 26 years, having to learn how to survive as, like, what was he, 12? I can't remember his age. Yeah, something like that. It's a 12-year-old boy who literally had no experience in that. But then also, when he rolled for Van Pelt, he knew exactly who it was, right? So it's, is it safe to assume that while he was in the jungle, Van Pelt was also there? Yeah, that's my assumption. Everything that came out of the game, he had experience with. Yeah. Right. Because he knew about the flowers. Uh, he said, watch out for the big yellow nasty ones or whatever. Yeah, true. The ones uh, from Little about... Cabin Horrors. <laughs> yeah. Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Alan. Uh, and then he knew about the mosquitoes. But So one thing that's interesting, too, is like the monkeys, they kept coming up all movie, right? But the lion was just in that one scene that we never saw from the lion ever again. Uh, well, he was just chilling out in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> chilling, taking a nap. He was the king you... of that castle. That's true. It's a That's cat. what I would do. Cats like to sleep. I'd be like, thank God I could finally take a nap. Hell yeah. Um, so when Alan comes out of the jungle, comes back to the reality... Um, I wanted to tell you a little known fact about this movie that when he's in the bathroom shaving, um, all that hair that Robin Williams was shaving was actually his arm hair. What? (laughs) It's on IMDb trivia. Check it out. Seriously? That's real. (laughs) Absolutely. I believe it. (laughs) He should have shaved his arms for that scene. Like I, I, I've seen Robin Williams' arms, and I know they're very hairy, so I definitely can believe that. <laughs> now you're making me want to go back and look. <laughs> Unless that... Okay, hang on, hang on. Don't look that up. Yeah, Unless no that was like... Just take my word for it. Okay. Unless that was like the last scene filmed in the whole movie. because It'd have to be, because <laughs> the rest of the movie, he just has shaved arms. <laughs> yeah, man, don't look it up. Did you just make that up? Why would I do that? I trust well, why... <laughs> You're like straight up making me think you just made that up. <laughs> well, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, never know. It's not like we have listeners who don't have access to the internet. The internet doesn't exist. What's the internet? Well, it's 1969, so the only thing they've got was the moon and oh. <laughs> a landing that was lunar and... <laughs> We're not doing an Even Stevens podcast, friend. But that as many times as you try, it's not happening. Influenza, Even Stevens musical was so good, though. <laughs> Ren got an F on that presentation. Can you believe it? So in Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
All right. Well, one thing I didn't make up <laughs> for sure is that uh, when he does kick in his door of his like old bedroom, did you guys notice that the picture that he looks at of his parents are <laughs> of them getting ready for that gala thing that they were going to go to the <laughs> night he got sucked into the game? Really? I did not notice that. <laughs> they, they put a picture in there. <laughs> From that night to remember it. (laughs) If he ever comes back. (laughs) This is what we look like. (laughs) Wow, that's hilarious. (laughs) Did you notice on the side of the Jumanji board, uh, it has a Hasbro uh, logo on it? (laughs) Does it really? Don't look it up. (laughs) I can't tell what you guys are making up or not. Maybe he can only give... True fat trivias. I found all of these on Wikipedia, and not just anybody can go enter anything on Wikipedia, so you know it's true. You know what? In the in the words of Aunt Nora, I'm sick of your lies, young lady. You are grounded, both of you. Just so you know, I wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wanted to see what you guys thought, so... Partway through the movie, Peter tries to cheat by making the dice land on both sixes. How is he planning on accomplishing that? I don't know if you've ever like just tried to drop dice on a table. It Never. doesn't work like that. They yeah. still bounce. That wouldn't work. <laughs> he would have basically like instant, like probably like a centimeter above the table with sixes on the top and then just let go. To be fair, he's eight years old and stupid. And so there's that. Why didn't he grab the game? You know, oh, I will say Peter had Peter had the, the most clutch move of the whole movie when he went out and climbed on the branch and hung upside down and grabbed the game. Like even as an adult, I'm like, hell yeah. Way to go, Peter. I'm so proud of you. Um, Actually, I do want to get back to one other thing. Did you guys notice that the whole scene in that sporting goods store was basically just Home Alone? Yes, I noticed that as well. Yeah, yeah, the traps. Uh, Peter set up that like barbell uh, air tank cannon thing. Uh, That's it. I'm glad you brought that up, and especially after what we just said. Like, how could Peter think that he can drop dice and it would land? But he's got like the mental fortitude to make a trap in which air canisters will launch by dropping weights on them to throw a boat at Van Pelt who screamed very loudly in a way I didn't expect. Who's exactly <laughs> like the guys from Home Alone. He stood right at the exact spot where he wanted him to stand. Oh, for sure. Peter is an engineering genius who somehow doesn't realize that you can't drop dice and let them land the same way. Like, uh, I'm glad you brought up that scream, though, because that was, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly like how Marv uh, screams when he's, like, getting, like, electrocuted. That's actually how I scream, too, so <laughs> I, I get it. And then it even comes down to uh, all the paint cans falling on him. That's how that scene ends. Well, if I had a boat traveling at me that speed, I would probably let out that same exact <laughs> 
about you guys, but I thought that boat went very fast. Like, I felt like... If he wasn't a magical being from a board game, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I felt like they, they actually, like, filmed that, and then, like, no, not fast enough. And they sped up the footage or something. Because that boat went unusually fast. For just two air canisters. Granted, I don't know shit about physics, but... <laughs> But this Actually, brings up something that I was curious about, too, is <laughs> the game of Jumanji, it puts everybody in danger. And I'll call them NPCs, because at this point, everybody else in the world is just an NPC. Uh, outside of the NPCs, do you think Jumanji would actually kill a player? Or are they just giving the illusion of danger to teach them a lesson? Well... I'm... What's the lesson? What's the lesson? <laughs> Don't play Jumanji. Uh, <laughs> I would say that the only the only way I would know is based off of the sequels, and even that, they're kind of just guessing they would die in real life. So I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't. I don't know about. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the game absolutely would kill people. And I feel like if this thing actually existed, people would pay millions of dollars for that game. It's like just to own it, knowing what it does, you know, and just the. And then uh, stream it or play it for YouTube. I was just going to say they'd probably like play, play the game and film themselves on Twitch. And that stream would get so many views. So you're saying new business venture. I was I was literally just thinking that as I said I'm like how could we do something with this cut this out we need to, <laughs> we need yeah, to keep please, it for edit, edit this out <laughs> all right Westworld kind of had what we're looking for yeah no that, that's <laughs> a good point Westworld kinda did it first Jumanji this all right guys well I feel like that wraps us up here um, before we jump into our first game of the night here a little game we like to call. Bed, wed, behead. So we'll pick three people from the movie here, and just as the title suggests, we'll choose which ones we want to bed, wed, or behead. Who you guys got? Um, I'll say Carl, Soul Man. The Soul Man. Keenan, what you got? Uh, let's go with uh, Van Pelt. Actually, no, Sam Parrish. We'll go with Sam Parrish. We'll go with Papa. Papa. Papa Parish. I'm going to go with um, alright, you know what? Since he's back on the table, let's go Van Pelt. Oh. So we got Van Pelt, the dad, which we're, we're going to say here is two different people, not the same, and Carl. I feel like we're going to be on the same page all on this, but let's see. What do you think, Marcus? I don't know. I, I think I might be the one that differs. I mean, obviously, I think everybody's going to kill Van Pelt. Because that guy, <laughs> he's got to go. Fucker's got to go. <laughs> go. Fucker's got to go. All right. So we can either marry Carl, who... Well, let's let's figure this out. Is it the timeline where Carl is a cop and he was fired? Or is it the timeline where he's a successful uh, shoemaker high up so in the parish? That, that was your pick. You get to choose. Before you do, I want to point out that you're basing this decision on what Carl's career is. You're pretty shallow, Marcus. 
<laughs> well, okay. Let me argue that point and say, do you think Carl was a happier person having to, you know, uh, fall back on being a cop? Or do you think he was happier following his dreams, uh, doing something he was proud of, and just, you know, making a shoe that, you know, he was leagues ahead of? I mean, (laughs) you did it again. Let me double down on that. Because also, as a cop, he is in the line of fire on a daily basis. Is that something that you think you would be able to handle, knowing that somebody you've married is constantly in the line of fire? Yeah, Brett, it's pretty short-sighted of you okay, to not but, look at all but, the angles here. <laughs> but you're also missing an angle. We saw one day in the life of Carl the cop, which I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go on a limb here and say it's probably his worst day ever on the force. <laughs> okay, but we also <laughs> talked about this too. Is we saw a bad day for Sam Parrish and That's Carl. True. He got fired. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna make it harder by saying it's the successful Carl. And, you know, probably a happier Sam Paris, too, because he's got a better relationship with his son. Who's, who is not dead and missing. Yeah. So All in right, that so case, um, I'll probably marry Carl. <laughs> marry Carl, kill Van Pelt, and bed. Who is our third person? <laughs> Sam. Sam. Oh, yeah, happy for sure. Sam Parrish. No, I'm in total agreement with that. I don't, I don't know about you, you. What about you, Cam? Yeah, it's going to be a happy end for uh, Sam Parrish. <laughs> uh, wed Carl and peace out, Van Pelt. I mean, if we can kill Van Pelt, like, I, I feel like he would kill us before we could kill him. Again, uh, this is the rule. He's he got to die. He's got to go. As I said you know? earlier, fuckers got to go. <laughs> you did. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to our next game, a little game we like to call Ooh. Six Degrees of Who. So we're going to pick a Ooh. random person from this movie and a random celebrity here from a Generator. And <laughs> God damn it. All right. You guys pick the celebrity. I've got our random celebrity already pulled up. Keenan, go ahead. I picked uh, Jason Patrick last time. Well, let's go with David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer, good one. All right, and we're going to Justin Thoreau. Ooh, Justin Thoreau. I love him. <laughs> Did we just become a Justin Thoreau podcast at the same time? Can we? <laughs> Did you guys watch The Leftovers? Oh he was so good in that. Totally. I've seen it all the Leftovers, guys. <laughs> but also, wasn't Perfect he the DJ? <laughs> wasn't he the DJ in Zoolander? He was, when they were breaking and <laughs> fighting. Can we talk about depth as an actor? I think he helped write that show. Or he Oh no, he's he wrote written, Tropic Thunder, I think. Yeah, he's written a lot, for sure. His his best role is uh, a movie that we're going to be looking into later on, uh Your Highness. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. All right, so we got uh we got David Allen Greer to Justin Thoreau. Who's taking us away? Uh, Keenan goes first. Keenan, what you got? Um, 
I didn't think I'd be going first. Uh, let's go with David Allen Greer was in, let's do, <laughs> this should open it up quite a bit. Uh, he was in the movie Astro Boy with Nicolas Cage. I never watched that. Was that any good? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> good to know. Uh, all right, Brett, you want to go or you want me to go? I can go. So we got Nicolas Cage. Oh, uh, that opens it up to anything, really. Um, all right. Let's go. Nicolas Cage. Do... Nicolas Cage was in Face Off with John Travolta. John Travolta. Marcus Phoenix himself. It's, um... it's going to happen. Stop <laughs> noting it. I mean, you mean Dave Batista? Like, what? No. Okay. Uh, okay, John Travolta. I'm going to go with... i got to remember his name. Uh, the Punisher. Punisher. Thomas Jane? Thomas Jane. Yeah, that's the yeah. guy I'm thinking of. Uh, Thomas Jane. And no the Punisher. Vegan no <laughs> vegan diet? No vegan powers. Well, that's going to be the only one I'm going to be able to go through. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything, goddammit. Honestly, I was just like, I cannot think of any other movie you've been in, but we'll go with Thomas Jane was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And let's see if we can get this closer. Yeah, I, I see a path. So, uh, with Michael Sarah. Oh, Michael Sarah. Damn, I was hoping you would go uh, Chris Evans. All right, Michael Sarah is still pretty good. Um, Let's see. Oh, Chris Evans. I could have gotten there from there. Yeah. Michael Sarah was in a bunch. I'm trying to think of the few Justin Thoreau movies I know. Justin Thoreau. Okay. Michael Sarah was. All right. Well, we'll just go. Michael Sarah was in. This is the end. James Franco. James Franco. That's my boy. (laughs) We're there. Wait, 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 wait. You mean you mean to tell me James Franco didn't suck any dig last night? Now I know y'all tripping. <laughs> okay. All right. Best light of that whole movie. <laughs> I can go. Uh with James Franco was in Pineapple Express. No. <sighs> Hold on, guys. Just think about you're just, you're just adding high. a step. <laughs> Am I? Yes. All right. Danny McBride was in Your Highness with Justin Thoreau. There we go. <laughs> we just who, was also, who was also, who in, also in James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> well, even though we just talked about Your Highness, I was thinking about the movie we also were just talking about Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I can't wait till the Your Highness episode. I feel like most people haven't seen that movie. And, like, we're going to talk about that and no one's going to listen to it because nobody's seen that movie. But I love that movie so much. So good. Playful secrets. (laughs) All right. Well, that was eight connections. Eight. Not too bad. (laughs) We're getting better, I think, guys. All right. Well, that brings us to our last segment here where we read our best bad reviews of Jumanji. What do you guys got? 
Um, I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to attempt this person's last name. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's Michael DeQuina. DeQuina? That's pronounced oh. Davis. <laughs> DeQuina. Uh, for the, the movie report.com. This was posted in 2004, but I, who knows when it was actually written? I don't know. Uh, all he wrote was All the effects in the world can't disguise that thin plot. Oof. <laughs> what I would have to say is that's kind of like I would put that in the opposite direction because I feel like the effects were lacking with at least now. Maybe in the time they were okay, but those monkeys looked horrible. Okay, again. Horrible. Again, table that for my review. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot we tabled it. (laughs) Yeah, we tabled something. I still haven't brought it up, but I'm about to. Go ahead, Keenan. So mine's pretty similar. It's uh, (laughs) a little-known critic. Uh, I'm going to try to – I'm going to botch this. Roger Ebert. (laughs) I think uh, uh, <laughs> I think it's pronounced Debert. Oh. <laughs> That's it's a tough one, um, but he says a gloomy special effects extravaganza filled with grotesque images, generating fear and despair. One point five out of four. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the special effects I could not get behind, for, so <laughs> I can agree there. But the rest of the movie, so enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. Um, Okay, so this brings up what I've been waiting to talk about here for a bit. So earlier in the show, I asked you to table a thought about the special effects, and you both have thoughts about how bad the special effects were. But we left our thoughts on the table. (laughs) My review comes from an Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly. Owen Gleiberman wrote this review of Jumanji in 1995, and here's a snippet of this that I pulled. It says, Jumanji is cardboard Spielberg, a B-movie scrap heap of spare parts lifted from Jurassic Park and Gremlins and Back to the Future. All three of the main characters have lost their folks, and the theme of the missing parent gets quite a workout, especially when Williams, suppressing his wit, slips into sheepish sheepish domestic guy mode personally i prefer the scenes with the giant mosquito we've all seen wild animals before at least in movies but this time there's cinematic magic involved too in jumanji the animals on screen aren't real they've been simulated by the same astonishing astonishingly three-dimensional computer technology that was used to create the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and, of course, the gizmos of Toy Story. So this seemed to be, like, this guy was absolutely blown away by the special effects of this movie. For us to here be 25 years later to be like, yeah, this sucked. (laughs) Wait till this guy sees a 2020 movie. I hope Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly is doing well. I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what was going on. <laughs> Basically, his review was just like, this shit is so unreal. Look at this. This isn't a real lion. It's fake. You wouldn't know that because it looks so scary. Like, And we're just like, yeah, the special effects are all right. <laughs> They're kind of dumb. That's one of those guys that were like, <laughs> like when the first movies were out, 
and people thought there was like a real train coming through the, <laughs> the, the screen. Yeah, he gave this a C, um, and basically saying like the plot doesn't make up for the special effects. But I get, the special effects were off the charts to this guy. I can't I wait. A lot to of problems with that though. If he's comparing this to Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park still holds up. But now that you mentioned it, he's also saying like he's comparing the special effects of Jurassic Park, but didn't they use a dinosaur like suit? I feel like they didn't CG the dinosaur. It was actually like an animatronic dino- dinosaur suit with a person inside, right? Yeah, I don't think they CG the dinosaur either. Well, so, I don't think it was a person inside. I think it was, you know. But yeah, either way, yeah. it it definitely was not all computer generated. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's just so immersed by the special effects, he wasn't paying attention to the movie. Um, I also saw, really quick, a few reviewers saying they wouldn't let their kids watch this because it was just too scary. I'm pretty sure you just watched this with your kids, right, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I did. Did you think it was too scary? Um, I mean, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't think it was scary. I think my son, one of my, my oldest son, he kept like kind of saying it was scary. But he he was really just trying to use that as an excuse to play Minecraft. So <laughs> I don't think he was even scared of it. I think he just <laughs> kind of get his way. Damn, Dad, this movie sucks. Can I uh, go uh, play Minecraft? <laughs> he, he's years years ahead of his time. Um. All right, guys. Well, I think that just about wraps up Jumanji, which, again, scored a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. For those keeping score at home, critics believe that Michael Bay's Transformers is a better movie than this. Jumanji starring Robin Williams. And I just want to say, I miss you, Robin Williams. You made some great movies. You dealt with a lot that people didn't see. Um, you dealt with it probably on your own. And I wish things were different. I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like the world would still be a much brighter place with him in it still. Um, I do just want to leave you all listeners with some advice from the not-so-perfect Alan's father. While his execution, I believed, was poor, the intent was there when he said, if you're afraid of something, You've got to face it because what Peter also told us is in the movie is that it's okay to be afraid. So just keep that in mind. And until then, join us next time when we talk about Boondock Saints starring Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, and crowd favorite Norman Reedus. Until then, what do we say, fellas? (laughs) To be or not to be. That is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep, to say we end, the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep, a chance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. 
For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil? Must we give a pause? There's a, the respect that makes the calamity of life's long life. But who How much are you going to read? I'm going the whole way. <laughs> yes, that is what we always uh, say. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs> what year is it?